Welcome back into the fast lane. Trey Lyle filling in for Ed, who is doing his Halloween excursion with his kids. Uh, later on, Ty and I are going to draft Halloween candies because we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, but first, let's get to uh, a man I saw this past weekend, and uh, I bet we'll we'll answer um, uh, this question. Uh, Damien Sortle at Roanoke Times. He is now covering the Hokies for them. Uh, Dame, your favorite Halloween candy, what is it? Oh, I should have thought of this uh, more before you asked. Um, I have to go with Twix. That's, Can't go wrong with it. And that's not a bad I don't choice. care if it's left side or right side. It, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm not going to tell you mine. Uh, you can listen to the next segment because I'm not going to reveal my draft strategy to Ty as he's listening to us right now. i got to be smart about that. But, uh, you know, are you, uh, as we dive into this conversation, you're now covering the Hokies, uh, you know, for the Roanoke Times. Yesterday, I mentioned it in the Fast Five at Five-ish, the ACC released their schedule from now till 2030. So I know your calendar is marked with plenty of trips. You know, you're at least going to California twice because uh, uh, every every team will play uh, each team twice in a seven-year span. So uh, your plans, uh, what did you think of the schedule release now that the fact that Miami and Virginia Tech is now a protected rivalry, which it wasn't in the previous model? Yeah, the ACC had an opportunity to right a wrong, um, and that was not having Virginia Tech and Miami in the 355 model as facing off yearly. I understand proximity, Wake Forest, all that, but it doesn't make sense. Who cares about Tech Wake Forest football? I mean, most national fans don't think of Tech Wake Forest like they do Tech Miami, Tech EVA. Uh, So uh, that right or wrong, there's actually three trips to California for the Hokies. Uh, They go to Stanford twice, and they go to Cal once, and they make one trip to SMU. So uh, there's three trips out there uh, to look forward to. Um, honestly, they had they had to take the chicken and make the chicken salad, and that's what they did with the schedule. And, um, you know, there is some discrepancy there, like Florida State and Virginia Tech. Uh, Tech has to go back to Tallahassee before Florida State makes the return trip to Blacksburg, and it will be, I think, 2007 was the last time – or early 2010 is so the last time Florida State played in Blacksburg. So you'll have a long stretch between that. Um, and I think Louisville's the same way. You know, Tech's got another trip to Louisville before the Cardinals finally come to Lane Stadium for the first time as ACC members. So um, there's some discrepancy there, uh, but to see Clemson four times in the seven-year stretch is a good thing. Um, I think, you know, Tech and Clemson really hadn't seen each other uh, in regular season play, um, you know, since Tech joined and the the league uh, expanded before this latest round of realignment. So uh, it's good to see Clemson there. And um, again, I'll circle back to Miami. That needed to happen, and I'm glad the Hokies and Hurricanes will be meeting every year moving forward. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think it's it's a you know an old school Big East rivalry. They've they've been rivals for so long. Uh, growing up, you know, from a fan point of view, like it, it seemed like Miami was number two behind Virginia, even sometimes number one because they were more competitive on the football field. But let's talk about the Hokies themselves on that football field. Obviously, 
starting one in three. They are now, you know, 500 at four in four. But most uh, insane to think about is the Hokies control their own destiny for the ACC, uh, making the ACC championship game. Uh, if I asked you that question after that loss uh, to to Marshall, uh, what would you have thought? That something drastically changed, and it did. Um, we've seen the offense evolve with Kyron Drones. He's much more comfortable. They're doing a lot more different things in terms of rolling him out of the pocket, moving the pocket, uh, getting guys in motion. You're now seeing uh, Jalen Lane and Tucker Holloway getting – jet sweeps you're seeing them use the edges and the alleys uh now early as compared to i think the first 15 years or sorry first 15 games of tyler bowen's time as offense coordinator which was a a gap b gap a lot for the your zone runs that you weren't really testing the outsides and now that they're doing that that opens up the inside running lane later and what that does is gives defenses a lot more to think of which is why Kyron Jones is not 151 pass attempts without an interception, albeit there should have been two picks against Syracuse that were dropped, but he's still making really good decisions. And I just think the office is in a better place because of that. And I'll bring up something else. If Kyron Jones plays the second half of Purdue and they go with him from there, People wouldn't be as shocked with a 6-2 and two Virginia Tech team being tied for second in the ACC versus a 4-4 four and four team. And I think this team is better than its record indicates. It's just with a one-legged Grant Wells for most of the second half against Purdue, your offense was limited. And then it basically you had to figure out what offense worked with Kyron Drones. And you saw a little something here and there. Uh, against Rutgers and then against Marshall, but I think you really saw against Pitt when you opened ACC plate. You saw you saw what it could do and what it could be, and it just grown from there. And I think that's why you're saying, oh, this game Saturday has so much importance because the team that wins is likely in the driver's seat to play Florida State in the championship game. And someone brought that up to Brent Pry, and he said – if you look ahead, you're going to get your butt beat, and that's what Tech's going to have to avoid is you're going to have to you know, make sure, hey, don't look ahead, focus on Louisville, and then he, you still got two more road games after that, sandwiched with the home game in between. So uh, it's still pretty uh, challenging road ahead for the Hokies. Yeah, they're they're double digit underdogs against uh, you know a Louisville team that's coming off of a a win against Duke. Uh, to note that Jeff Brom does not have a great record after uh, winning, uh, beating a ranked opponent. I.e., look at what happened to the Pitt game a few weeks ago. But uh, let let's talk Kyron Drones before we get into the matchup, and I want to talk a little bit about the defense as well. But Kyron Drones' development this season, obviously, him as the transfer was presumed to be the start at the start of start of the year uh but they go with wells they try to i guess they want to lean on his experience but drones comes in against rutgers the offense seems to be better from the moment but he has developed a lot uh, a lot more quicker than maybe some people expected but what have you seen from his development week to week in terms of you know just controlling this offense using his legs and uh you know you know probably taking this offense to a level that it hadn't seen under Tyler Bowen. 
And I'll say it's his accuracy throwing the deep ball. Uh, you'll probably remember against the Rutgers game, there are a lot of throws that he just, uh, especially deep balls, that he just overthrew the receivers and didn't really give them a chance to make a play. And now we're seeing he's getting more touch on it. He's getting more accurate. And that's why those big plays are able to pop because he's gotten more comfortable throwing that and uh, more accurate as well. Uh, there were a couple that he overthrew against Syracuse, but you know, truth be told, he got his right shoulder dinged up a bit on the first series. They were looking at him, and I think you know the first play after that, he threw he overshot. Uh, I think it was Daquan Felton by like 15 yards, and we're all in the press box. We're like, yeah, I think his shoulder's fine. <laughs> I think they just wanted to test it out. But I'm just seeing that development from him is that you know he's got better touch on his throws now and he's throwing it with more confidence. And there's a lot of reads that he's making as well, whether it be on curl routes, whether it be on slant patterns, where he's more decisive with his throws and he's able to fit them into those tight windows. Now I think he's, he's been able to do a much better job of that. And when you're able to do that, you know, the run game opens up and I think conversely, the run game has opened up uh, his throwing opportunities uh, more so. And, you know, his ability to force teams to account for him in the run game has helped out as well because no offense to Grant Wells, who, you know, he was a capable runner when asked, but he doesn't have the athleticism, the speed, nor the natural running ability of Kyron Drones. And that's what you're seeing in the type of quarterbacks Tech's recruiting as well. I think that's why we're seeing Tyler Bowen's offense uh, evolve as well and you're seeing more creative play calls or as people say on social media he's going into his bag more because you have a mobile quarterback and you're able to find creative ways to use him and because of his mobility teams are you can't just sit back there snap it and just do qb draw or zone reads or anything like that you have to have some sort of uh, smoke and mirrors or window dressing as they call it and i think we've seen that uh, here over last six weeks, heading into the seventh week of Kyron Jones being a starter, we're starting to see more of that. And I think as you know, they've opened up the playbook. Jones has evolved more as a player. He's developed more, and I think we're seeing the confidence level for him just skyrocket because of that. Also, an issue last year was you know interceptions for Wells. Jones has one on the year, hasn't turned the ball over, which is which has helped Virginia Tech a lot. I, well, there was a stretch where he uh, put the ball on the ground when it comes to running the ball. Um, I think it was like four or five straight games where the ball was on, where he put the ball on the ground, and uh, he's gotten better with that. I know they didn't credit him with a fumble or with uh, putting the ball on the ground against Syracuse because his knee went down, but there was an instance where he got down, he, his knee was down, the ball came loose, but he was right on top of it. Um, but he has done a better job with that. Um, Again, he has set the program record um, dating back to the available stats in 1987 for most consecutive passes without an interception. Um, so he's doing a better job with that. And, um, you know, when this tech offense doesn't turn the ball over, um, yeah, good things happen. I mean, against Syracuse, uh, 12 drives, eight ended with points, uh, three punts, and a uh, drive that ended the game. So that's what you like to see. And, um, you know, that's going to be crucial against Louisville because you definitely don't want to give the Cardinals uh, any extra possessions. And another part of his development is, you know, most of his skill positions and the offensive line 
theoretically could be with him for a, a long time. This is something that, you know, fans have craved for is improvement as well as development. And it seems like those two things. One, the transfer portal hits are good, so it shows great player evaluation. And the development is going to be there, especially with, you know, a lot of eligibility left amongst, you know, key players on the offense. Yeah, you look at everyone on the offense, and I'm going to throw Allie Jennings into the mix because he hasn't used the redshirt year yet. You have the potential for everyone to come back. Not like you mentioned, uh, everyone on the offensive line, all your skilled position players, um, everyone who's played this year with the exception of Nick Gallo, who I think theoretically he could return, but at this point, you you know, I don't know what his mindset is um, because you've seen, you know, your three second year tight ends play really well, but that goes to that. And I think it's something that, you know, we brought up preseason is that tech has gone to a different store and quarterback every year through the portal. Um, and you really haven't had a chance to build any consistency. And I think if you're able to keep drones as your starter, uh, which you should be able to, and you give yourself time to develop pop Watson, um, back there as a number two, you've got yourself a chance to do something really good here. So I think that's going to be key, uh, retaining those players. Um, you know, we've seen with the transfer portal anything can happen. But to your point, you're, you're going to have to retain the players. If you can do that, you're building something good here. Let's move to the defense. Obviously, defensively, they've improved in the last couple of games, You know, especially not allowing – those big runs that we saw earlier in the season that were backbreaking, uh, it, it seems like you know they they have figured out a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Plus, when you have a guy like APR who has nine sacks on the year, that that very much helps the pass rush. Yeah, um, let's look at the numbers specifically. Uh, Tech had fifteen sacks in the last two games. Tech had twenty three sacks all of last year. So you see the growth there and. Uh, as you mentioned, Antoine Power Island has done so much for that pass rush because now you have to account for him with an extra guy. And he said, you know, after his big breakout performance against Old Dominion, teams were chipping him. They were bringing, uh, whether it be a tight end or running back, over to try to stop him. And what they did was it allowed other guys like Josh Fuga, Mario Kendricks, uh, Cole Nelson, Keyshawn Burgos, um, you name other guys, Wene, uh, Wilfred Penne, um, I'm probably forgetting uh, Darius Payne's one guy as well. You've seen some guys step up and make plays, and uh, that's something that you know Tech was lacking all of last year. And uh, the depth level and the talent level on the defensive line just wasn't there. Um, so I think adding APR, having Payne healthy after he missed all of last year with the Achilles injury, that's been big. Uh, they needed that. They need that depth. They're running ten deep on the defensive line. Um, that's something they didn't have last year, and uh, besides Taiwan Garbutt, and you know now they have that depth, and it's been paying off in a big way. And um, when you're able to get the front four uh, to get pass rush, that helps um, because the back end is probably the best part of the Virginia Tech defense. And I think what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, in particular, is the linebacker play get much better. I think Alan Tisdale has finally settled in at Mike. Um, He's playing much better there, especially in run defense. I think Kelly Lawson and Jaden McDonald have played really well at the will. Um, I think Lawson 
in particular, that Wake Forest game, not starting, coming off the bench. It was one of his best games of the season, and I think he backed that up against Syracuse with the way he was playing. And I think now this defense is starting to um, get to a good point. Um, you know, we asked um, Nelson about that, and he said, you know, it's the second year, and everyone's going to be playing better in year two. And I think we're seeing that with this defense, like year two, Everything's finally clicking, and then you should be able to keep building from there. You talk about everything's clicking. Is that what you wanted to see? You know, is that kind of what you wanted to see from this defense from from the start? Is the fact that you know this was a team that you know probably would have had to rely on his defense? You know, was expected. That was the expectation. Is this defense? You know, you have Brent Pry, who's a really good defensive coordinator coming in, like. the struggles for a coaching staff that weren't getting run fits right, basic run fits right, now now that they're getting those corrected, it feels like they're finally, you know, they finally can, you know, build upon what what the expectations were at the start of the year. Yeah, and I think uh, what it also showed was just how valuable Dax Hollifield was last year at Mike Linebacker being a guy who knew what he was doing. Because if you look at the linebacking core – Every one of those guys are converted safeties. Um, Tech only has, I think, outside of, I mean, all the freshmen that they brought in from a George Bounce, Aston Stevens, Varian Copeland, those guys were true linebackers in high school. Everyone else has been converted safeties. And it, it takes a while, especially with, you know, normally from safeties, you're making your first read and you're attacking it because you can see the whole picture from back there. Whereas linebacker, you don't get to see the whole picture and you're making a read and then you're reacting instead of reading, let it develop and then react. And it took some time. And I think, you know, Tisdale has made the biggest jump and that's why you're seeing him play more than Jaden Keller at Mike, because he's really settled in. And uh, that's been a big plus for how this, defense has improved and I don't think you really understood the impact of Holyfield at Mike until you saw what happened in those first you know several weeks with you know the fact that Tech gave up the second most runs of 50 plus yards uh, in the nation because you're missing a key piece at Mike who can get everyone in the right place and is able to tell his, you know, the guy at will, hey, you need to be here at this play. Uh, not two guys going to essentially the same spot. Um, so I think people have, you know, people have found their roles, especially Tisdale, and that's really helped this defense um, move forward. And um, that's why you've seen in the three ACC wins, they've allowed a combined 73 rushing yards. And a lot of that's QB sacks, but a lot of that is not allowing the big explosive plays. Looking at the matchup with Louisville, which you can listen to right here on CBS Sports Radio, Lynchburg coverage starts at 1.30. Uh, obviously, you know, Brent Pry has experience going up against Jeff Brom at their times, both at Penn State and Purdue. The last time they faced off uh, when, you know, Brom was at Purdue, Pry was at Penn State. Uh, it was a dominant 35-7 win for Brent Pry. Obviously, uh, there's no Micah Parsons on Virginia Tech's team, so I, I know this could be a different Different matchup, but uh, look at, looking at it, that that could be a benefit, you know, just the experience Brent Pry has going up against, you know, a, a, a Brahm offense. 
Yeah, well, that, so that was their only matchup. And I would say this, Purdue didn't have Gerard Jordan. That is true as well. Uh, Jordan is two yards away from joining, I think, four other Power 5 players and having 1,000 scrimmage yards and 10 or more touchdowns. He has 998 scrimmage yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, he's dynamic. In their loss to Pitt, he got hurt early, had three touches the entire game, and Louisville lost. And then you saw him against Duke, nearly 200 yards, explosive runs, averaged nearly what, seven, eight yards a carry. He's a difference maker. He is the engine that makes this offense go. Um, it, I know Jack Plummer's been putting up good numbers and – you know, he was the quarterback at Purdue that year that uh, Brom and Pry met up, and he's had a stop at Cal since then, is now in his final year of eligibility at Louisville. But, you know, it's George Jordan. He's the engine that goes. Um, I don't think there's a better tailback overall in the ACC. I know that people will say Trey Benson probably has a good argument, but what Jordan does. Not only running the ball, but the, in the passing game as well. Uh, he's dynamic, uh, especially when he gets in space. And uh, He's going to be a difference maker. Um, he has the type of ability to make some guys miss and get upfield and pick up chunks of yards in a hurry. And outside of Benson from a you know, few weeks ago, Tech hasn't really faced that in league play. So it's going to be a challenge to stop him. you got to try to get a little behind the sticks and so that way his running ability is taken away as easier said than done um the one thing that is going for tech is that louisville's given up uh, average of three sacks over the last four games uh it had four in the upset win so if there's a recipe to beating louisville it's what Tech's been doing well of, of, of late, and that's getting to the quarterback with only the four-man pressure. Um, and that's going to be key because if Jordan's able to get going and you don't really need Plummer to get, drop back and throw it, uh, that's going to be a sign that uh, Tech's not getting the job done up front on running downs. and um, You can't let Jordan get going because he is just a – he is a – he and Tootin are very similar. But Jordan's just got another gear right now that he's just playing at a level that people would probably consider to be All-American-esque. How important will it be for, for you know, Virginia Tech to control the ball offensively? You know, Plummer does have eight interceptions on the year, so that, that could be another key as well. But it, it, it seems the ground game for Virginia Tech has come along very much in the last couple of weeks. If they can maintain that kind of efficiency offensively, that has to be something good because the, the best defense you could argue in this Louisville offense is, is keeping you know them off the field. Yeah, and you hit right around the head is you got to be able to sustain drives. And the other thing is you got to start to pass. You got to score points in the first quarter. Uh, Louisville's only surrendered seven points in the first quarter this year. Um, and that was to pit in the loss. You think, oh, narrow game didn't score against Louisville? Nope, not in the first quarter. Uh, Duke got shut out, and Duke uh, had Riley Leonard. So uh, Louisville's been a team that gets off to good starts by uh, whether it's one touchdown in the first quarter or multiple scores in the first quarter. They take the lead and they dictate the game the rest of the way. Tech's got to get some points early. Um, Syracuse is a good barometer for that. Scored 13. Um, 
Tech had only scored nine first quarter points prior to that. So you got to score early and then eat up some clock. Uh, it's going to be difficult for them to sustain drives because Louisville's defensive front is just so good. And like I mentioned before, Louisville ranks ninth in the nation and second in the ACC in run defense. Well, two teams to crack 100 yards this year. So you're going to have to find ways to run the ball. And that might be Drones gets more carries because you need him to help open up things for Tootin and Thomas. So... Yeah, it's going to be tough to think, to do all that. Um, it's just going to be how does Tech window dress, how they want to move the ball, and then execute from there. Um, but, you know, Tech's not used to five, six, seven-minute drives this year. Most of their scoring drives last less than three minutes. Um, so it, if you can find a way to take time off the clock, great. But if your offense is able to move down the field and score, You'll, you'll take the points however you get them, and then hopefully your defense is ready to make a stop, and then you go out there maybe chew up some clock, but also find a way to get into the end zone. Well, let, let's move on to uh, the sport you were covering this past weekend where I saw you at Martinsville, some NASCAR. Uh, you got to go back to your roots a little bit. Uh, your reaction to, uh, you know, Ryan Blaney getting it done, you know, he, he seemed to have the best car on the day at Martinsville, but ultimately, you know, he, he gets the win and, and uh, stamps his ticket to the championship four. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he's had good runs at Martinsville. Uh, that's for sure. He just doesn't show up because you have other guys like Hamlin or, uh, you know, Byron or Truex in the past that have gotten to the lead. And with this next gen car and whatever tire compound they had prior Prior, you just couldn't pass. So if you got to lead, um, you know, that was it. Uh, I think what we saw with Blaney was early. He was able to make his way through the field from 11th up to the front and then hang with Hamlin. Um, and that was impressive. And you figured, okay, at that time you said, all right, he's got a car that can contend. Um, it, it, we've seen Blaney throughout this latter half of the playoffs really catch fire. And he, he's done that. Um, I don't think there's anything lucky or horseshoeish about what he's done. The Penske team has found speed uh, where it lacked during the middle part of the regular season and heading into the playoffs. Um, and you know, um, you know, he earned the win. Um, you know, out of it. I think, like most people, it'd been nice to have seen a caution there toward the end to try to mix things up and see if there's different pitch strategies. Uh, does Blaney stay out, or does he come in and does Hamlin stay out, and uh, how does that play out? So that would have been interesting to see. But I think Blaney had the best car there, and the best car won. And um, you know, it all came down to who was going to point their way in, and. William Byron, minus a helmet fan and all, was able to persevere through and get in when, you know, he really struggled. And you saw a chink in the armor of the car that's probably been the most consistent throughout this entire season. At Damian Sorlet on Twitter. Dame, I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me this afternoon uh, while I filled in for Ed. Check out his latest work as he'll preview the matchup with Louisville this upcoming weekend, and uh, it was it was good to see you this past weekend. Absolutely, Trey. It's good to see you, and um, hopefully I'll see you either at a Tech game or maybe even in the spring in Martinsville if the schedule works out. Sounds like a friend. Sounds like a plan, my friend. Uh, thanks so much again. Absolutely, thank you. 
That was Damien Sordelet at Damien Sordelet on Twitter. When we come back, the draft of our lifetimes. We're drafting Halloween candy. Next, to wrap up the fast lane right here on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg. 